While many people died in World War I, more people died from the flu than in the war. On the home front, Clara's family will serve the Lord with the unexpected needs that come along. By the end of the war, events never even thought of will take place that will shape the lives of Clara and her fam- family for generations to come. This podcast will feature the chapters. We have never seen anything like this before, and the phone call no one ever wants to receive. Eventually, the war would come to a close. But before the boys came home, an even greater tragedy would begin right here in America that killed more people than the war. Sometimes we hear about the Great Flu of 1918 as the Spanish Flu. Actually, the flu was no worse in Spain than any other place in the world. Spain was a neutral country during World War I and had nothing to lose by trying to cover up the effects of the flu. It is estimated that over 25 million people died of the flu worldwide, which is more than those who died in the war. While the flu is referred to as the Spanish flu, it is now believed that the Great Flu actually started at a military base in Kansas. That's right here in America. The Spanish flu attacked the young adults and was a respiratory attack. Some people came down with the flu and got over it, only to catch it again and die from it. In some cases, the people caught the flu and died overnight. The people in our nation were afraid of this difficult enemy to fight. In some cases, they were scared. The flu changed the way many people did things. There was a church in Nebraska that had been in the practice of taking communion with only one cup for the entire congregation. Now, that would be a good way to catch the health germs of others. So when the flu developed, the church decided to start using individual glass cups for communion. In that congregation, there was one woman who made such a fuss about this, she felt that the church should only use one cup So when communion was prepared, there were the individual cups for the congregation and the one cup that was prepared for her. This practice went on until her death in the early 1960s. In those days of the old party line telephones, it was not uncommon for the neighbors to listen in on your phone conversations. But some people did not want to talk on the phone for fear that they would catch the flu while talking to people on the phone. Papa jokingly said, well, at least the gossips won't be listening in on the phone now. Even in our tight-knit community, people who would normally help others and work together did not want to reach out to help for fear of catching the flu. My parents were the exception to this new development. Both Papa and Mama felt that we needed to reach out to help our neighbors in need. Their faith in God led them to help those in need. Papa would do his chores on our farm and then make the effort to help neighbors who had the flu. While Papa usually helped with the outside jobs on the farm with the animals and making sure there was firewood provided, Mama helped a lot with the housework, fixing meals and doing the washing or what was needed. 
There were others in the church that could help with these jobs, but many people who would usually help were hesitant to help for fear of catching the flu. The fall of 1918, the Great War in Europe was coming to a close. That was a joyous occasion. In our community, one of the churches in town was planning a Thanksgiving meal, but had to cancel it due to a statewide quarantine by the state of Iowa. Rosalind, years ago when I was young, when people became sick, there were times when a family was placed under quarantine. The family had to stay in the house while someone would bring groceries and supplies to the door and leave them there. One of the young men from a nearby town had been killed in the war and his body had been brought back for burial. In order to have a hero's funeral for him, the service had to be postponed due to the flu. People had never seen anything like this before. Frankly, in our lifetime, we've not seen anything like this in the United States since. It was a serious issue. There was certainly the opportunity to serve Jesus very well in that situation. My parents worked very hard at helping those in need. Just that fall, Papa and Mama shared the news with me that by February, I should have a new baby brother or sister. With Mama's condition and all the extra work she was doing to help those in need, she was probably weakened more than others. It seemed like Papa and Mama were tired a lot that fall. They were certainly working a lot with their own work and that of the sick neighbors. It was in late October 1918 when Papa came in the house for supper one night and started to cough. He had been working all day helping the neighbors with their chores and then came home to take care of our farm work. That afternoon when I came home from school, Mama seemed to be real tired. That night at the supper table, everyone was tired and not much was said. Papa said he would go to bed early. We had a short Bible study and prayer time and then we each went to bed. Papa commented about he was glad the war looked like it was coming close to an end. He was glad that he could help the neighbors out in their time of need. The next morning, when I woke up, it was cold in the house. Rosalind, in those days, we had wood stoves that had to be refilled with wood every few hours in order to keep the house warm. Papa was very protective about making sure the stove was fueled with wood since his daddy had died in the house fire years ago. So to wake up to a cold house was unusual. I got up and walked through the cold house to my parents' bedroom. The sun was already up and they had not gotten out of bed yet. I opened the door and saw that Mama was still asleep and Papa was coughing a lot. I walked over to wake Mama, but she would not wake up. Papa was not awake, so I decided that I should call Grandpa and Grandma. Running out to the kitchen, I grabbed a chair and pushed it up to the wall telephone. I'm not sure if I cranked the phone the right amount of times or not. You see, Rosalind, in those days, on the old party line phones, each family had a certain number of long rings or short rings or combination of rings. At any rate, Grandpa came to the phone and said, Hello. I said, Grandpa, Mama won't wake up, and Papa is coughing a lot. Clara, do you mean you're the only one out of bed? That's right, Grandpa. 
and the house is really cold. Grandpa said that he would be right over. At that, Fred Williams broke in on the line and said, Ralph, I'll get my car ready and be right over. Frank Benson then broke in on the line and said that it would take him a little time to get over there due to the distance, but he would come to help with the farm chores. There were other neighbors that listened in, but they didn't bother to come help at that time. A few minutes later, Fred's Model T car stopped in front of the house. Fred got out and ran to the house. My grandparents were not far behind them. They rushed into the bedroom, and I heard Grandma gasp as she said, Mary's gone. Fred led me out into the kitchen and said he needed help getting the fire built in the stove, and he needed me to go out and get some wood outside the house. As I put my coat on, I heard Grandma's cries from the bedroom, and Fred had gone to the telephone. He got on the phone and heard some of the neighbors talking. Fred very sternly told them to get off the line because he needed to use the phone. He called for the doctor and the undertaker to come to the farm as soon as possible. After bringing in some wood, I snuck past Fred and made my way back to my parents' bedroom. I could see Grandpa holding Grandma, trying to comfort her. They didn't know I was there, and I heard Grandma say, How will we be able to take care of Clara? Grandpa said, Dear, we have to believe that God will help us through this. Grandpa and Grandma turned around to see me, and they reached out to hold me. They tried to gently tell me that Mama had gone to be with Jesus, and that Papa was not well. There are no magic words to tell someone that a loved one has died. While we stood there, Grandpa said, Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for our dear Mary. We did not want to see this happen but we place her into your hands. We need your strength and help to lean on. Please help us through these terrible times, for this is our prayer in the name of Jesus. Amen. While we stood there, Papa started to wake up some. He reached out his hand for mine, and I took it. Struggling between coughs, he said, Clara, your mama went to be with Jesus and it looks like I'm going there soon. I want you to always remember we love you. I want you to love Jesus with all your heart, soul, and mind. Since the day we were both baptized, that is what I've tried to do. Clara, don't be bitter at God like I was when Grandpa died. I wasted so much of my life getting over that hurt. Rosalind, Sitting by a deathbed is not like what you see in the movies. It can be time-consuming. I sat there most of that day and watched my papa slip into a coma. Later that afternoon, he opened his eyes real wide and said, Daddy! And then he died. There's no doubt in my mind. Papa saw his dad in heaven with the Lord Jesus. Now, Rosalind... Your teacher is going to want to know how all of this can be the secret to a successful life. I had to tell you all of this to get to the secret. The life Oscar Jones lived for Christ affected his life, our family, our church, and the community. And really, 
It continues to affect everyone who is touched by his life. The effect of what Papa had done has not stopped. Let me tell you what happened after he died. It was a disappointment that some of the church people did not come to help in our hour of great need. They were afraid of catching the flu. Yet something amazing happened. Of all the unexpected help that came our way, Frank Benson, the community drunk that was starting to sober up with Papa's help, was there to assist us. Of course, Papa's close friend, Fred Williams, along with Preacher John and Neva, came as soon as they heard the news. While things looked pretty blue at the moment, people would soon start to make some changes. Sometimes in the fall, there will be an early frost where every growing plant is killed. Now that can kill off the weeds and the good crops as well. With this early frost that claimed the lives of my parents, there were weeds that started to fall down also. Some good was beginning to be seen from this tragedy. There were some changes made in the lives of many people. The most unexpected change came from our banker, Earl Hilner. The day after Papa died, Earl came to see Grandpa Ralph. Standing outside the door, Earl explained how he was sorry to hear about Oscar and Mary. He wanted to step in and talk about Oscar's finances. Grandpa stopped him very shortly and said, Now hold on, Mr. Hilner. I'm sure that there is nothing wrong with that boy's books. He's been teaching the area farmers for months how to keep better records. Mr. Hilner stopped Grandpa cold when he said, I know there was nothing wrong with Oscar's books. There was nothing wrong with his dad's books either. You heard me correctly. Oscar was right all along. He never did trust me because he could see right through me, not only at the bank, but also with the way I acted at church. I knew his dad didn't owe any money to the bank after he died in that fire. Since no one else could prove otherwise, I took advantage of the situation. Now before you call the sheriff, who I plan to go see, there's something I want to do. Oscar made a major change in his life when he came to the Lord. He really made the effort to live the life that I only pretended to live. Like Zacchaeus in the Bible, who said if he had cheated anyone, he would repay them four times the amount. I intend to give Clara the money I cheated Oscar out of and add four times the amount. Since you are taking care of her now, I will leave this in your department to see that she gets the use of it. Earl Hilner handed Grandpa Ralph an envelope with $2,500 and walked out of the house to his car. That was more money than most people made in five years in those days. Grandpa was in a state of shock. He later said he first felt like hitting the man for the trouble he had caused, but decided that it took a big man to come forth and not only admit to his wrong, but to put his money where his mouth was. So Grandpa walked out to the car as Earl Hilner was getting in. Grandpa put his hand on Earl's shoulder and said, Earl, it took a lot of courage on your part to admit to what you've done. A part of me would like to hate you for what you did to my family. But the Lord and Oscar would not want me to do that. 
So I accept your act of repentance and forgive you. I believe that you will make the trip to the sheriff's office right now to turn yourself in. Your confession will surely help you to have a shorter sentence in prison. You know, my son-in-law had to really show a lot of grace to forgive you. This just makes me respect him even more. I will see that Clara gets the best use of this money and that she is well taken care of. With the unexpected deaths of Clara's parents, young Clara will soon see how her faith in God will really help her in the toughest times of her life. When life seems to be the most difficult, the Lord is always available to help us adjust and go on. The upcoming chapters will feature more details about how Clara will be able to move ahead with her life.